and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson. I am joined, as always, on the other line by our Heat beat writer at the Herald. It's Anthony Chang. Anthony, what's up? What's up, David? 2-0, kind of what we expected at this point, right? Yeah, no, not, last week. not necessarily surprising. Maybe a little surprising in the manner they have done it. Uh, just how dominant they looked in Game 1 and, and the way that they won uh, game two. Um, let's start with game two, I guess. We'll jump right into it because um, that is the freshest in our, our minds. Um, Jimmy Butler uh, turning back the clock uh, about two years uh, to the 2020 bubble. Uh, go over 45 against uh, the Hawks. Huge plays down the stretch to turn a close game into a, a comfortable cushion for the Heat. Uh, as you said, they will now go to Atlanta up to, oh, um, I got to say, I, I thought the Heat would win this series in five or something like that. I yeah. still kind of looks like they'll talk about whether we think this is going to be a sweep later on. Um, but I didn't expect them. And, and the game Monday or whatever, game one Sunday, felt like the way I thought the series was going to go. I did not expect uh, Jimmy Butler to, to do what he did on uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, um, it was needed. I mean, Bamis. Yeah, kind of struggled offensively in the series. He's been great defensively, but offensively he's struggled. He only had nine points on six shots. Game two, game one, he was inefficient. Um, was in foul trouble last night. Didn't play pretty much the entire third quarter. Kyle only scored nine points on two of eight shooting. Like Tyler, Hero, there hasn't been the Tyler Hero game yet. Like Tyler's been kind of held in check. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy kind of needed to take over. I mean, the Hawks were right there with the Heat. They were, were leading, um, and it's, you know, for most of the first half, I would say. Um, and Jimmy needed to do something. He, he did something. He scored 45 points yeah. um, and really took over. I mean, I, I think with Bam in foul trouble, that he went small in the third quarter with PJ and Caleb in the front court. And as we know, kind of like LeBron, like we've spoken about, like Jimmy does well in those lineups um, where it's like yeah. four out and just him at the top and just working with an open, totally open paint. Um, he took advantage and he thrived in that, in that lineup. So, and the game kind of there in the third quarter. Um, yeah, I mean, Jimmy has been incredible this series. He's been the best in a series featuring Trey Young. Jimmy has been the best player by far. Yeah. Um, I just tweeted. I just tweeted a stat. Uh, let me get it real quick. That the Heat has um, outscored the Hawks by thirty-one point nine points per hundred possessions with Jimmy on the court. In the twenty-four minutes, Jimmy has not been on the court. The Hawks have outscored the Heat by twenty point nine percent possessions. So that's a little uh, fifty. Two point difference right there with Jimmy on and off the court per hundred possessions. So he's he's been incredible and really the you know the, the difference maker in the series so far. Do do you view a game like uh, Tuesday, the scoring in particular, as a sign of like things to come for Jimmy? What we might because obviously during the bubble run, obviously in the finals he had to, but this was more the guy he was right. He was he was even before the finals. I think people forget he had some games where. Scored thirty when he was, you know, obviously he's always taking the the clutch shots down the stretch, um, and you know that that is when the Heat have in the Jimmy Butler era been at their best. He was not doing that in the playoffs last year, and they got swept out of the first round. Do you see this as, as a sign of more to come? Is it just a, a thing that you're always going to be like confident that Jimmy can kind of turn on the scoring when needed? How, how does a game like Tuesday affect the way you think this this Heat playoff run might play out? I, I think it's a sign that he can still do this, right? Yeah. I mean, not that we doubt, not that everyone doubted it, but... Yeah, know, we, hadn't, weird, we didn't see weird, it last year. 
Yeah, and there were weird games this season from him, like one for 11 and yeah. five points. Like, it was just some weird performances from him. Um, but I think it's just a reminder that he can do this and carry a team with his scoring if he needs to. Um, but the beauty of this team is that that's not going to be needed every night, even from their best player and Jimmy Butler. Like he's not going to, he's not going to have to do this every night. I mean, game, game one was the Duncan Robinson game. Game two was the Jimmy Butler game. Game three, probably like the Tyler Hero game or something. You know, like it just seems like there's a different guy every night. Most games, Jimmy's not going to have to score 30 plus points. He scores 20 plus on a, you know, with an efficient shooting night. Like that's enough. Um, it just so happened that they really needed that last night because, you know, so many of the, so many of the, the top offensive players weren't, you know, great. Um, so he needed to do something out of the ordinary. Um, but it, I think if anything, like you said, it's a reminder of what he can do um, if needed. Uh, but I think the beauty of it is he doesn't have to do that every game. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, how when was the uh, the, the sideline uh, scuffle for the Heat? It was like a month ago, yeah. A month ago now. Um, I, I think we – by the end of the regular season, we're like, that's totally in the past. Like, this team has worked through whatever issues they had there. Um, yeah, and I feel like even in the moment, though, I think we spoke about it. Like, I kind of thought it was overblown. Right, yeah, but, but I, I they know, were struggling, right? They struggled. They lost yeah, one or other. I yeah. just mean that whole – that week from hell kind of is yeah. such a distant – I think by the end of the regular season, we're like, whatever happened there was like an outlier, not a sign of what's to come. Right. You know, now the Heat up 2-0 in this series, uh, looking like maybe the best shot to – sweep uh, their first-round series of anyone, which is not surprising considering they're in the 1-8, but I, I don't think a lot of people had that kind of confidence in the Heat going into the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the way – the thing I like about what we've seen in the first two games, as you mentioned, we had the Jimmy game, but also we had the Duncan game. Like, we've, we've seen the complete package of what this Heat team can do. Um, on some nights, Jimmy's obviously going to win a game for you or something like that. But on most nights, they're going to look more like they did in game one. And that is the, that's the one that, like, I think we actually learned something from. We're like, this Heat team is, is rolling. They're in their, their system. They're in their flow. They're, they're doing what they do best. Yeah, and I think you talk about game one and game two, like the difference between the two games. You know, as the cliche goes, every playoff game is different. It just shows you how deep this team is. Like, Duncan Robinson right. was – scored 27 points, eight threes in game one. He played six minutes in game two, didn't play second half, <laughs> didn't attempt a shot, didn't score a point. It's like, if it doesn't matter, no one misses a beat. It's like, okay, we have other guys who could do it, um, obviously. So, yeah, I, I just think, it's again, it's cliche, like the nine-man rotation, there is no nine-man rotations, everyone all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. That, that's truly the case with this team. I mean, yeah, yeah. there are a couple guys that aren't going to play, but like last night, Caleb didn't wasn't in the rotation game one. Bam got in foul trouble. They turned small, and then you know they didn't instead of putting Devin in there, they put Caleb, um, and it worked. And Caleb played really well. He was a really good defender, guarded Trey Young a little bit, uh, made a three. He made a run, a big run while he was in the game. Um, and then next game, I, I don't know who knows what they do with Caleb. Maybe Caleb's out of the rotation again in game three, and Duncan's back to his number twenty minutes a game. It's just this team is so deep. That every, the I think the, the strength is it could be a different guy every night. You you can't really predict it. Not even from Jimmy. Like Jimmy can have a forty five point night. He can have a twelve point game next in game three, and we wouldn't be shocked. Um, that's just yeah. the way the team is. Yeah, and it kind of cuts both ways because if you know that is the Heat strength. The Heat they the Heat yeah. play a different style than you know if you think the Heat are a title contender, which I think is a, a fair thing to think. Um, 
there, I can't think of another title contender who has won with this specific set of strength. I, I, I think I compared him to the the '04 Pistons early in the season. Maybe the Spurs, um, like one of the, some of those Spurs teams. Yeah, some of those Spurs teams. Yeah, like the, the maybe the the fourteen the team that beat the Heat. It felt like they had like nine guys who could who could kill you. Um, but yeah, like I, I compared him to the the Pistons early in the year because of the way they defend. But that Pistons team was so much like they had their starting five, and there was a huge drop off um, right. after that in terms of contributors. Um, this heat Lindsay team, Hunter. Lindsay Hunter was pretty. Lindsay good. Hunter. I was. I was actually just pulled up. I was yeah. curious who their. Uh, was Carlos Aguero on that team. Yeah, I was curious who their sixth leading scorer was. It was actually Mehmet Okur, twenty-four-year-old yeah. Mehmet Okur scored. Scored uh, and actually Corliss Williamson also averaged uh, nine plus points a game for them. Um, sure, but uh, yeah, head he, of his time, stretch five. Head of Mehmet. Time. Yeah, Mehmet would yeah. be great today. Yeah. Um. The. Uh, but yeah. So that. You know, that, that Heat, it would be kind of unprecedented for a team like this Heat team to win the championship. Um, but then, of course, two's, or the game two proves that they can kind of win in that more traditional way, where your best player single-handedly can win you a game. Um, and that that's a, a good sign, because, you know, you can win 12 playoff games or something. You need to win 16 to win it all. You can win 10, 12 by just playing your, your game, and, you know, there's going to be blowouts here and there in the playoffs, and... You know, you're going to kind of looks like Cruz through this Hawks team. Um, round two against the Sixers, we can maybe talk about that in a little bit, is shaping up to be more interesting than I think maybe we thought. Um, but you're going to need those Jimmy Butler games, um, especially when, you know, if they're playing the – they're going up against Giannis or Kevin Durant or Jason Tatum um, in the conference finals – you're gonna. It's gonna be hard to win games by just like shutting down the team's best player in the way that the Heat have been able to with with Trey Young. Like those guys, I love Trey Young. He's probably one of the 20 best players in the league. Those other guys that I just mentioned are in a different stratosphere, and you need your best guy, Jimmy Butler, in this case, to be able to go blow for blow with them. You, you know, you, they're the other guys are gonna get theirs. You gotta have a guy who can get yours, and and that's what Jimmy, like you said, proved he can still do. Can we talk about how Jimmy has hustled the entire NBA with his? Yeah, team? all right. That's where I wanted to go next because that was a, that's obviously been kind of the uh, the talking point here. Well, it was like a week before the playoffs, right? Tyler Hero said Jimmy is actually yes. a good three points. Look, this is the story. I I, I you I wrote was in that, Boston. Right? That I wrote question. Yeah, it was in Boston. I got Tyler Hero on the side. I got PJ to the side about just like Jimmy's three point shooting. I was like, um, this is probably gonna be nothing. Like Jimmy's not gonna keep shooting threes, but you know, Tyler's right. yeah, he could shoot a little run there, right? Yeah. Like three a game for a little bit. Yeah. Or something like that. He's making a few but it's actually turned into a thing. Like I don't it even is, know like the biggest story of this the first couple of games of the Heat playoff run, I would say. He, okay. The last ten games is fifteen of thirty three on threes, which is forty five percent. Five of nine to start the playoffs. Um that's incredible. He's Jordan Poole. I mean, pretty much. I, in the regular season, there are 278 players who took 100, at least 100 threes. Jimmy ranked 276. Who was worse than him? 278 players. Najee Marshall from the Pelicans and Jalen Suggs. I don't even know who Najee Marshall is. Yeah. Actually, like a couple weeks ago, Jimmy Rough was for Jalen Suggs. He was like the fourth pick. Yeah, no, it's not great. Um, I like too. Yeah. So, like, it's just – it's weird. It's a weird development. I don't know how sustainable it is. I don't know if Jimmy's actually, like, found something with a three-point shot. Um, 
Cooper Moorhead from Heat.com posed a question to Eric Spolstra after the game, uh, after game two, and kind of compared him to Dwayne Wade. And Eric Spolstra liked that comparison and said, yeah, it's kind of, I can kind of see that. Like mm-hmm. He's like, in a, in a moment of truth, in a big game, are you leaving Dwayne Wade open for a three-point shot? Probably not. No. Nah. Right? And, and I think the same could be said with Jimmy, even though he's not the great, greatest three-point shooter. You know, he seems to make them in the playoffs. I don't know how. I don't know why. Now, I will say, the bubble run, too, the same right. thing. This is a new story in that it, this is probably the most pronounced it's been, but it feels like this kind of question comes up every year. Like, I remember, I think it was during the bubble run, Jimmy, because he, you know, he shot, what, two threes a game that year or something like that, and in the playoffs probably shot four a game or like he was just shooting more and I I don't have the exact quote in front of me but I, I remember his point was basically like why why do I need to shoot threes in the regular season like we have Duncan Robinson we have Goran Dragic that year we have um I, I don't even remember that's so long ago Jay Crowder was on fire after they got him like why do I need to shoot threes until it's absolutely necessary um and you're I mean he's right like in the regular season if Jimmy was allowed, if Jimmy wanted to, and he shot five threes a game this year, all year, like he probably would not be the third worst three point shooter in the league, right? Like his his yeah. threes, he's taking. Obviously, he's like it's not a focus point for him. They're not typically like in rhythm, like in the regular season, right? They're like bailout, like nothing's going on in the offense, or or he's exhausted maybe, and like just trying to get through a possession before he he checks out. Right. Um, you know, he's an NBA player, and, and even, you know, even Ben Simmons makes threes in those workout videos, right? Like, uh, these guys can hit him, and he is, he's been, like you've you've written, like he's been a good three, not a good three-point shooter in his career, like oh, a, okay. a, yeah, a passable three-point shooter, a guy who you're not upset if he's taking three a game and you're hoping he makes one or two. Um, you know, it's, it's. It hap- like I said, it kind of happens every year. It's more extreme this year. I don't know if he's going to shoot forty five percent for the entire playoff run. That would be something if he did. <laughs> Honestly, they have even more good three point shooters now, probably yeah. than they did on that twenty twenty team. When you you know, obviously Shrews now in the mix. Um, I think Tyler is just a better three point yeah. shooter. I don't know Gabe if his Vincent. numbers are necessarily Gabe better. Vincent yeah, Gabe now. Vincent, PJ Tucker has been you know, really, I think I. I think he led the NBA in corner threes from the right corner this year, according to one of those Kirk Goldsberry graphics he does every year. Like, they've got guys that they don't need Jimmy to do it. But, like, if it's a game like Tuesday where you're, like, get get buckets, like, you're going to have to work some of that in. And it's, like you said, you, you, you're not going to leave Jimmy Butler open. Like, he's just yeah. never going to get left open. Right, and that's the thing. Like, if he at least takes the shot. Back then when I did that story, like, that was the argument behind it. It, that was like when they were trying to improve the spacing that just made the rotation right. changes. Like Jimmy taking that shot, whether it goes in or not, like it helps the spacing of the offense because teams have to at least respect him out there, you know, and Jimmy's never going to be Duncan Robinson as a floor spacer. But now that he's shooting 45% of the last 10 games, it makes five threes in the first two games of the series. It opens up a little bit of his game, more of his game. I mean, now teams may take a couple steps up when defending him. Maybe opens up a little bit of his mid-range game, what he's more comfortable with. Like, yeah, he's drawing more fouls because drawing the more fouls. Are, are a step yeah. slower. So I think it helps him. It helps the offense. And, yeah, he's not going to shoot 45% on threes. If he did, it'd be the biggest story <laughs> in NBA history, I think, <laughs> if he did that for the rest of the playoff run and let him to the championship. But um, even if he shoots 35% and makes one or two a game, like I think you take that when it's Jimmy. Yeah, I think he can do that. 
Yeah. I, like that would not surprise me at all. Yeah, he, I mean he he's been a better three point shooter than Trey Young in this series, so that's uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's a good. That's a good way to. Trans- that's yeah. a good way to transition uh, to go back to game one real quickly. But obviously, the whole it was really the story coming out of game one, just the the defensive performance that he put together uh, to slow down Trey Young. Um, I think we thought the Heat had a lot of good guys to potentially throw at Trey Young between uh, Kyle Lowry, Gabe Vincent. I don't know if we necessarily talked about him, but he's been obviously obviously excellent on Trey. You know, you could always. Uh, you know, Jimmy has guarded him a couple times. That's been a fun, a fun matchup to see here and there. Um, but that that game one, just that complete effort. And obviously, you know, I know Heat Twitter was like making fun of all the people who were like the Hawks were exhausted. But like that, that was a factor in game one. Obviously, yeah, it's a real thing. Thing. He had a week off to, to prepare. The, the the Hawks did have a quick turnaround. Um, so you know, the way that they absolutely shut down the Hawks in that game. Obviously, like we saw in game two, it was not what was going to carry through the entire series. But, um, you know, the heat, it's the defense. We talk about the depth, but really the defense is the strength of the team. And, um, I mean, that was you – know, the Hawks were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Like, this is not a typical eight seed necessarily. And, and they absolutely kind of punked them. Yeah. And, yeah, the Hawks' offense better in game two. Still yeah. wasn't great in game three. Um, had a lot of turnovers. Missed, I think only shot 30% on threes. Um, finished with an offensive rating of 106, which was, would be fourth worst among teams during the regular season. Um, this is a Hawks team that was second, had the second best offense in the NBA during the regular season. Yeah. Um, second best half court offense in the NBA. The Heat has completely shut it down. And I know missing Clint Capella is a big deal. Um, Clint Capella is more important than most people think. Uh, yeah, he's team. probably their second best player. Yeah. I mean, and as a role, I mean, nobody runs more screen and rolls than, than Trey Young. By a good margin, Trey Young runs the most screen rolls in the NBA, and Clint Capella is the roller on a, almost nearly on yeah. most of those screens, if not, you know, eighty percent of them. Yeah, um, and then so John Collins, not having Capella, the third best player, is like yeah, still slow yeah. a little bit. He's, yeah, he's not he's not even close to one hundred percent, like you could tell. So that that affects their offense, but I mean, you can't you have to give the Heat credit for what they've done with Trey. I mean, Trey, you know, he I think a career high ten turnover, turnovers in game two. Um, two of 17 on threes in the series. The switching has completely closed off driving lanes for Trey. His drives are down. His paint shots are down. He's having to settle for these long, you know, contested threes. Um, and they really bothered him. And they've thrown different bodies at him. I think we've talked so much about their depth of scoring, scoring in, you know, in the front end of this episode. Their depth of defenders uh, might be even yeah, more that's, impressive. You know? Yeah. Because then you're getting into guys who we don't think about as scorers who have been good defenders, like Caleb Martin. Yeah. Um, you know, like Deadman is is a good good anchor to a defense. We have not mentioned the name, or you mentioned Bam early when you're talking about his struggles in game two, but obviously he is snubbed as a defensive player of the year finalist, let alone player of the year. Um, but we'll get me started on that. I feel pretty strongly about that one. We'll, maybe we'll do that. We'll, we'll take a break in a little bit, and we'll do that in the second half of the episode. But um, yeah, the I mean, he is. If you watch these first two games of the series, and you watch the way Marcus Smart got uh, cooked by uh, Kyrie Irving in, in Game One, no, you know, like it's kind of happened. But like, you telling me that that Bam Adebayo is not as is a worse defensive player than Marcus Smart? Like it's kind of ridiculous um but yeah the depth of defenders is and different body types different 
um, skill sets. Um, it, it all it, that's right. That that's even more important, I think, than their offensive depth. Yeah, and it's, and it's also the, the various coverages they throw at him and keep him off balance. I mean, Gabe, when he's in the game, is picking him up full court, pressuring him the entire way. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they switch a lot. They'll trap him at different times. Um, it, they're just – Eric Spolstra has done this for the last few years, but he's really gotten good at kind of, in the regular season, tinkering with different things on defense. And then in the, when the playoffs come, he can kind of unleash them all. And everyone knows what – you know it feels comfortable with all these different schemes and coverages on the defensive end. Um, yeah. And Nate McMillan, before the game, was talking about, well, against switching defense, you have to find a matchup that is favorable to you and take advantage of it. Like, that's the key to beating a switching defense. Yeah, I guess in the starting lineup, like, you would go at Struess if you're Trey. Struess is yeah. a bad defender. He's held his own. But after that, I mean, okay, what are you, who are you going to go at? Kyle Lowry? Are you going to go at Jimmy? Are you going to go at PG? Are you going to go at Bam? It's just that's the that's what makes the Heat defense so good is that it doesn't matter who switches on you like you really don't have much of an advantage, um, and then you have Gabe Vincent off the bench, and for the game one Caleb didn't even play they didn't even need Caleb who has been very good on Trey this season, so it's just that's yes it's nice when they're, they're making threes and Jimmy scores forty five points, but if they're gonna make a deep run it's gonna be behind their defense because it's great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Anthony, uh, speaking of that, uh, Bam, you said you have a strong opinion about Bam not even being a Defensive Player of the Year finalist. Uh, we talked about it last week. Um, I, I thought he had a shot to win the award. And as you pointed out, he got more first-place votes than Rudy Gobert. So, obviously, like, it was a real – it was, you know, like we said, predicted last year was a year where there were going to be a bunch of different guys really in contention. Um, Bam, it, I I mean, I have to. I've been asked every single voter, but I have to assume the time he missed is is the only reason he was sure. not a finalist for that award. Yeah, I, I still don't think it's a valid reason. Like, I think he played enough games. Honestly, I know every voter has a different line for that, but in a series, there's so many guys miss games. Like, I think whatever 56 he played is enough. Um, he was so good defensively. He his switch. You know, he switches more than anybody in the NBA. And effectively too. I mean, he can guard. He can guard anybody in, in the league. I don't. I, there's not one player he's going up against that I'm like, oh my god, that's a mistake. Yeah, that, that he can guard Trey Young. That's like the the prototype of a guy he would struggle. Like a six nine big man would struggle with is Trey Young. And, and Trey doesn't even want anything to do with him. Like he's yeah. every time Bam's on him, he's getting off the ball or he's calling for a screen to get Bam off of him. Like he's not even trying to go at Bam. Which to his credit, I mean, some some guys try think that's an advantage for them, and they learn very quickly that. You should not do that. You should not try to isolate Bam just because he's a big. Trey knows that by now. Um, the Heat's defense has been really good, fourth best in the NBA. Probably would be like first or second best if Bam didn't miss that time because with him on the court, right. they've been a lot better this year than when he's off the court. Um, they have the best record in the East. Yeah, I, I just think it was 
maybe okay, fine. If he doesn't win the award, I, I know we're, we're you know we're splitting hairs there with, but not to make the list of finalists. I think that was crazy. Like he should have at least been a finalist. I think he's a defensive player of the year in my opinion. Yeah. Just looking at the numbers and what the award stands for, but not to be even a finalist, um, I think that was pretty surprising. Yeah, the uh, I, I almost wonder if these awards, both if there was, it would be better off by like setting a minimum threshold of games played. If the league was just like a guy has to play sixty 50 games, fifty games, yeah, like yeah. whatever you want to set the number at, just uh, because every, like you said, the, obviously the whole exercise is subjective, um, but especially like the games played thing, like. Where it can for some guys it's just like if you don't play this many games you're not considered at all like there need I, I wonder if that would help things and, and bam like I, would you it, like if it's 50 games you'd been eligible if it's 62 games or whatever like then he wouldn't have and this wouldn't even be a debate but um, yeah he's been awesome and and you know it make a guy like him makes this a really advantageous matchup for the Heat because when you think about the guys who superstars would like to get switched onto them against a switch-heavy defense. The two obvious ones for the Heat are Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, and those are guys who a small point guard... Like, obviously, it's an advantageous matchup for Trey Young if he gets those guys on him, but a six-foot, six-one, you know, step-back three-point shooting guard wants to get a big man on him. I mean, it's like that. that's the M.O. is is switch until you get the big guys uncomfortable out on the perimeter and you can kind of put him on a string and maybe hit a step back three or draw a foul or something. And, and Bam just eliminates that advantage that the, the Hawks normally can have when that's like, that is Trey Young's strength is getting big guys switched on to him and just absolutely making them look like fools. It's, you know, the, the heat, as we said, their defense is going to be a strength the whole way. Um, you know, when they play Jason Tatum or Giannis or, or Kevin Durant, like those are guys who are going to be able to expose, I think, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson a little bit more because they have, can you, they, you know, they use their size to muscle around you or shoot over you, that kind of thing. Um, but, but for now it is, I mean, it brings me to my next question is, do, do you think it's going to be a sweep? Um, it's really hard to break a sweep, but this sure yeah. does look like a sweep. <laughs> um, it really I, does. I, I, yeah. I mean, Trey Young, obviously, like with the caveat, he could score fifty-two on Thursday. And... Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's. The but does it look I like Trey Young that. can score fifty-two in this? Like it, like that's the thing is that the Heat have totally negated the Hawks' strength. Yeah. Here. Right. I, I just it, it does look like a soup to me. I mean, yeah, anything the Hawks could win a game wouldn't be surprising. Anything could happen in one game. Obviously, I mean, the Heat have lost to some bad teams this year. Mm-hmm. Randomly, it, it happens. Um but the fact that, yes, you may have 45 points, but you still haven't had the Kyle Lowry game. Bam Adebayo has not been good offensively, like we talked about. Tyler, There's been no Tyler Hero game. Yeah. These guys are bound to wake up. And when they start hitting shots, like, I don't know how the Hawks beat them. They just don't have enough right now offensively. If they were healthy, the Haw- the Heat are still the better team. But it would be more, a more interesting series. I could see this going to definitely five, maybe six. But with the Hawks missing Clint Capella, who... We've noted how important he is. John Collins being, you know, he's playing, but probably shouldn't be playing. I and mean, he doesn't look 100%. Yeah. Like um, and just with all the bodies now they can throw at Trey, and how this is kind of like the nightmare matchup for Trey Young. I would say that there might not be a, a, a worse defense for Trey Young in the yeah. NBA because of what they do and how they their defense system is set up. 
Yeah, it just looks like a sweep to me. It really does. And it's I predicted five because, again, it's hard to predict a sweep. But at this point, I'm, I would not be surprised if this is over by Sunday. How big a deal would a sweep be? Do, do you think? Because, you know, you're looking at the rest of the East and Boston, Brooklyn looks like it's going to go a long way. Um, Philly up 2-0 on, on Toronto, which is obviously kind of interesting because if they take care of Toronto quickly, then – uh, both of those teams in that match, they, they'd be the Heat's yeah. opponent, and it'd be pretty quick. You know, both teams would have plenty of time to rest, depending on how the NBA does the schedule. Um, Milwaukee, we'll see. Yeah, I, I kind of think they'll handle Chicago pretty quickly, but I'm not ruling out the idea that you know Toronto could win these next, at least one of these next two in in up in Canada, especially with Matisse Thybulle, uh ineligible to play. But but do you, how big a deal do you think a first round sweep would be for the Heat? I mean, it'd be big. You want guys to rest, right? I mean, yeah. it'd be nice to have – they can get off Sunday. I don't think – if they can finish a Sunday, I don't think the next series will start until early as Saturday, probably. Yeah. So that's almost a week off. Um, that's always nice, especially when, you you know, you're probably in for a long second round, a long conference finals. And if you get to the finals, very long, you know, a long championship series. So this is a time to get some rest, especially if Philly's sweet. I mean, I – I don't know what's going to happen in that series. You know, if you're the Heat, you probably you hope that Toronto can extend it a little bit. Yeah, to like game three is tonight. Least. We're recording on Wednesday. Game three, yeah. that's series tonight. Right. So we'll have a much but better if, idea of how deep that's going to go. But if the but if the Sixers end up sweeping um, Toronto, the Heat probably need to sweep the Hawks too because you don't want Philly. Then will have a week off, and if you're the Heat and you go five or six, you might only have two or three days off. So um, big difference there. So I think. With the way Toronto and Philly's looking, if you're the Heat, you want to get this done as quickly as possible. Uh, my last question is the way the Heat is playing in this series. I, again, with the caveat that we, I think, both thought this team had a legitimate chance to reach the, the NBA Finals before the playoffs began. But have these first two games increased your level of confidence at all in the Heat's ability to do that? No. It, honestly, I, I mean, I, I was pretty – I. I thought they were a title contender before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think they're a title contender now. Again, I thought this was going to be a quick series. Um, it's been impressive what they've done. Yeah, yeah, it's been impressive what they've done. Um, I still think they can beat anybody in the East. But I also, I, I think a series with Milwaukee or, or not Milwaukee, yeah, Boston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Yeah, like I mean, that Boston and Brooklyn in particular both looked awesome in that game. Milwaukee, you know who Milwaukee is, and yeah. Phillies looked better than I expected too. Phillies look good. Um, so Plus it's going to be a tough. It's a it's a tough road. It's a very tough road, yeah. and whoever gets out of the East is going to be battle tested and probably very tired. Um, but it, this does beat the alternative of phoenix right now right which phoenix i'm sure they'll win that first round series you would think even though i don't know about devin booker's hamstring injury mm-hmm. well, phoenix now is 1-1 you know and yeah that's you know that's much better to be the heat right now the top seed in the east than top seed in the west which now has to deal with maybe a longer series than they expected um if he can take care of business in atlanta this could be over again by the end of the weekend and if not you would think by tuesday yeah, the uh, I'll say the, the couple things that have maybe changed with my opinion on the Heat so far, um, it all has to do with Jimmy Butler and the fact that he still has that kind of 45-point explosion in him, which, you know, it was, I think, you know, he's, how old is he now? He's 32. 32, yeah. and he was, you know, he's an old 32, I would say, because of the, the style he plays. 
Yeah, I'm 32. In so. some ways, he's an old 32. In some ways, he's going to be able to play forever because of yeah. just, like, how hard he plays and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, it's been two years since the bubble, and we've not we've really not seen anything like that since. And this is a sign that he's still got that gear he can elevate to. Um, and then just, you know, whatever lingering doubts there were that, you know, if, if things went sideways that maybe, you know, Jimmy has a, a history, and we talked about that uh, kind of weird athletic report from last week, which – Again, I think we all, on our end, were like, that's kind of nonsense. But there was still, just given what had happened a month ago, there were, like, lingering doubts. There, you know, just whatever, that that 0.5% chance that it was going to be a total meltdown for the Heat. Especially because they melted down in the playoffs last year. Um, and I just think all that can, keeps going out the window. So, um, the other, on the flip side, as I mentioned, the East, which I thought was really good coming into the playoffs, looks probably even better than we thought, because Brooklyn looks awesome. And Philly, who I think, you know, we, we had talked about maybe that as a potential easy second-round matchup, absolutely has dominated Toronto through two games in that series, too. Um, so maybe a more competitive second round than, than we had necessarily expected. Not that it was ever going to be easy, but on the relative, you know, I thought there were a clear step, a clear step below this heat Milwaukee Boston slash like Brooklyn as the wild card tier, and Philly looks like they're might be kind of back in that that same range. Um, and then the you know as far as title hopes, the West. I mean the Warriors look incredible, and as a kind of like Warriors fanboy, I'm like giddy at watching them play basketball again. Yeah, I'm kind of. I, I thought Phoenix was the lock to come out like a lock to come out. Of I was never ruling out Warriors just because like I'm like a Steph stan. Yeah, well, and look, the Warriors are getting healthy at the right time. They're playing really well. Jordan Poole now is like the third Splash Brother, apparently. And uh, his name's Poole. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. It's like you can't make it up. You can't make it better than that. So uh, yeah, I think Golden State definitely has a chance. And me- I mean, Memphis. Yeah, they're still good, but I don't know. It just feels like Gold- yeah, Golden State and Phoenix look like two two favorites right now coming out of that side of the bracket. Yeah, I guess before we wrap up, do you just have big picture thoughts on the NBA playoffs first weekend? Well, I, I just think it's like you said. I think the East is just a gauntlet. Yeah, it, it's even even Philly. Um, I never really overlooked Philly. I, I did think like I do. I still think Philly's a kind of step below uh-huh. Miami, Boston, Milwaukee. Um, but I mean, you face Joel Embiid and James Harden like in a playoff series. Yeah. That's not. I, I really think I think any of those five teams with Brooklyn thrown in. Yeah. You know, if Brooklyn gets rolling, like, are you really going to pick against? Kevin Durant and and the, if Kyrie plays the way he plays, like I, I think any of those five teams could come out of the East. When's the last time we've been able to say that? Like for a conference, like oh, I wouldn't be surprised with any like five teams that can come out of the like it's pretty. Yeah, remarkable. I mean, I literally can't remember the last time. Like maybe I don't know when the when the Thunder went to the finals in what what was that twelve the first Heat championship year. I don't yeah. remember what the West looked like that year, but it was obviously it was before. The Warriors rise before the Spurs little mini dynasty like run they put together. Um, the East is, I mean, in the East especially, when is the last time there's been more than like two teams you thought had a shot to come out for, yeah. for so long? It was just the Heat, and then it was the Cavs, and then you know last year it was like Milwaukee and Brooklyn, and you know, there was the, the Philly year with Jimmy Butler maybe like was when there was a third, but like it's been a long time since. It yeah. felt like we're going to have two really compelling second-round series, plus the maybe you know potentially one of the most compelling first-round series ever in the East. 
in that, yeah, that Boston. Brooklyn one. Yeah, yeah. The the East is gonna, the East is going to be fun. If, if Miami, Philly in the second round, like it looks right now, and then potentially Milwaukee, Boston. I mean, like those could be two conference finals, but they're in yeah, the second yeah. round. Um, so I, I just think my my thought, and I, it doesn't surprise me because we knew that going into the playoffs, but just watching those series over the weekend just confirmed like how tough the road is going to be for all these teams. All right, uh, we can wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, he will be heading out to Chicago – or, sorry, Atlanta on yeah. um, on Thursday for game games three and four. Um, he will Maybe catch a Martin's game while out there. I'll at see all you, your maybe. local Waffle House establishments. And, uh, yeah, maybe you can get out to a Marlins game. If they, yeah. have a day, if they take that uh, – what would that be, Friday off? Saturday off? Saturday, right? Saturday. Make it to the Saturday game. We'll see. Maybe help Jordan on uh, some Marlins coverage. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, um, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, hopefully I'll be hopping in to help out on some heat a, a little bit here as the playoffs keep rolling. Uh, now that it looks like they're not going to be one and done, certainly the heat. Um, obviously, I've been busy with Panthers, who uh, are on the verge of clinching the top spot in the East as well. Um, and their playoffs will get started in a couple of weeks here. So just be sure to check out MiamiHerald.com. we got lots of stuff, particularly with the two, you know, the best team in the East and in both conferences, which is, is pretty exciting. Uh, plus, as you mentioned, Marlins getting going. So so a lot of stuff going on. F1 in a few weeks down here in Miami. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that about wraps things up. Um, thanks, as always, for listening, uh, and we will talk to you guys next week.